0: Time once again for the Built by Bama Online podcast, Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you joined as always by my colleagues there at BOL, Charlie Potter, the Team Insider for BamaOnline.com, and of course, Hank South, Recruiting Analyst for the website as well. Guys, Charlie, Hank, how are we doing as we move into the month of June and creep closer to the start of another college football season.
1: Oh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm a little stressed out, to be honest. You know, I'm trying to cover camp season. We're looking at homes. We're looking at making offers on homes. and this talk Oh, this, wow. It's, my stomach is in knots this month. So, But, you know, other than that, I, I'm doing good, so we'll, we'll make it. And yeah. you're
0: in the toddler years, too. I mean, yeah. you've got a full boat <laughs>
2: right now, Hank
0: South. I, I remember yeah, those true. It's a little murky at this point, but uh, yeah, you got a lot going on. What about it, Charlie? I, I I would guess maybe a a little more calm, a little bit more sedate for you right now than say Hank.
1: Yeah, a little bit. That's why I wanted him to go first. I know he had a a lot <laughs> on his plate, but uh, I love June. June's my favorite month of the year um, because there's not a lot going on. And Alabama, it seems like, especially this year, has been even more quiet than, than most years. So, uh, I'm enjoying that now that I said that though, there's not going yeah pop up <laughs> as soon as we end the podcast. But, um, but right now it's, it's been relatively quiet. I'm enjoying it.
0: Yeah. We did have softball Patrick Murphy's team kind of extend the sports calendar year, uh, for Alabama, hell of a run by the ladies there on the diamond finishing third out at the women's college world series in oklahoma city but uh as we get going here today i wanted to get the one item of emphasis from each of you guys we like to start the podcast with that from a team perspective from a recruiting perspective charlie we'll start with you your one item of emphasis since we last met here on the pot
1: yeah i I think it's just um the reverberations from SEC spring meetings and the fact that the SEC has revised its alcohol policy and now teams, schools can start selling alcohol um, at their venues. And um, I don't think everyone is going to jump to, to do this immediately. Uh, Alabama's not, uh, they put out a a statement basically saying how the new policy allows um, each campus to decide what is right for them. And they're not going to, make any changes at this time but i think you know two three years down the road everybody's going to be selling you know booze at their stadiums and um i know a lot of people are in favor of that some people aren't it's a hot topic now and and that's really the crux of, of this offseason discussion has been stuff off the field whether it's um alcohol sales at stadiums the transfer portal um you know, pay for play uh, all that stuff uh, that's kind of we're, we're in the the paperwork and the the um you know, the off the field stuff portion of the off season. And, uh, yeah, that's been front and center. Um, I know they're going to be probably releasing some new information about the the stadium renovations here uh, later in the week. I think the board of trustees is meeting on that. So we'll get um, you know, more concrete details other than reports. But, um, yeah, that's really the crux of it is the stadiums, um, how they're looking to get more butts in seats and uh, to improve attendance. And uh, a lot of people know that alcohol works for that.
0: Yeah, I think LSU probably had a beta in Tiger Stadium within 24 hours of the SEC announcement. What do you think?
2: I,
1: I would not be shocked. Sure. Uh, several, several tabs. Let's just say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think they're going to have it like water fountains in other state stadiums. <laughs> you know, you just walk up and go right out of the tap if you want to, on a Saturday night in Death Valley. What about it for you, Hank South, your item of emphasis? And as you outlined, you're anything but sort of catching a break right now. June, <laughs> incredibly busy from a camp standpoint. But if you could narrow it down to one, what would it be for you as we get going in the month of June?
2: Well, I'll, I'll sort of narrow it down to one. But I, I think just overall, just the sheer number of, of top visitors it's had on campus just since last Thursday You know, if you look at the list on bimonline.com, the guys that are coming in, I mean, you have five-star athlete Darnell Washington. You've got the number six overall player who actually just moved down to number six. I've been calling him the number one overall player because that's where he was. But Zach Evans, the five-star running back, he's now the number six overall player. Regardless, he's a five-star running back on campus um, at Alabama this week. You got a lot of the commits coming back, working out, um, and a lot of, you know, underclassmen offers, guys naming Bama their leader. So a lot of news. I think just the overall, uh, you know, the the stride album is hitting at, the, at this point in the summertime getting these guys on campus early um, really getting the, the visit season going because throughout the month of may we don't really see many visitors um, so far in june we've seen a lot and it's going to keep happening as, as we get towards uh, the end of the month and into the july dead period so i would just say just the top visitors the elite guys they're getting on campus early this summer and uh you know building momentum with Hank, are you on commitment watch pretty much 24-7 at this point,
0: or is this still more sort of a discovery phase, I guess you could say, for both Alabama and some of these top prospects? Um, Is there a player or two that you think could pop, I guess, for the Crimson Tide here in the very near future?
2: Yeah, you know, I think that's always a possibility. I don't think I've covered Alabama recruiting yet in in the month of June where there hasn't been a commitment and it's an interesting time just because we are in camp season so there's guys that you know maybe we're not really talking about throughout spring that come out perform well get a committable offer and pop then you're not really I guess not I don't want to say not expecting but you know that kind of came a little bit out of out of nowhere I guess just the guys that worked out well then commit and then there's the guys that of course that we've been talking about for a while that have probably had committable offers or have been high targets for the for the Tide staff throughout the spring that are coming on official visits or just coming on follow up visits in the summer that that could always potentially pop. So I mean, I, yeah, the month of June that that's kind of when you gotta always take your computer with you wherever you go just because there's always something happening and there's always it always seems to be a guy or two and a lot of the times underclassmen. You know, these are the first time the staff has seeing some of these rising sophomores or rising juniors work out, and they like him. And, you know, we don't talk about those guys as much as we talk about 2020 guys right now. So those are always sometimes the guys that pop in the summertime too. But, yeah, you know, I, I think one guy, if I'm naming somebody, and I just wrote about him on BIM Online um, about an hour ago, Will Anderson. He's a he's a linebacker target. We've been writing a little bit about not too much just because he doesn't talk much. We haven't had many quotes from him. But um, I just got off the phone with him this morning, and he actually named Alabama as leader, and he's visiting this weekend. So I, th- I think that's always – Somebody you put on Commitment Watch when, when they're about to visit, and they have Alabama on top of their list. So he's a guy we'll watch, and then, of course, there'll be others um, you can follow along at BEMOnline.com for sure. And he's a 2020 guy, is that correct? That's right, yeah. And I, I'm already seeing questions on our board over at BEMOnline. You know, he, he's, an, he's an outside linebacker, Jack linebacker type, and you know you look at the Commitment List, you already got guys like Drew Sanders, Chris Braswell, even Derricky Wright. You know, and, and then you got guys that are still out there, like Quinn Robinson, like Reggie Grimes. Like, wh- where where is Alabama going to go at this position? So it's, it's a good question because, you know, I'm not really too sure at this point uh, as far as how many they're going to take. And, and I think that obviously gets determined throughout camp season. Uh, but, you know, Bama, it looks like they're in very good shape at the outside linebacker position going forward. It's the Built by Bama online podcast,
0: Travis Ryer, Charlie Potter. Hank South with you. As always, you can find the podcast at any number of outlets, iTunes, Stitcher, megaphone. We'd really appreciate your subscription and your rating uh, while you're there with us uh, here on the podcast. Guys, we like to get topical this time of year because there's not as much team and or recruiting related news, although again we expect recruiting news pretty much on almost an hourly basis. Uh, with Hank South uh, in the month of June, but we want to talk offensive line specifically today. And in doing so, I want to start with who's coming in or for that matter, who we've already seen as early enrollees uh, in March and April during spring drills uh, at Alabama. And Hank, I'll start with you because as much as we've talked about this six man defensive line class, that looks great. And we've already seen half of it on the practice field. I, I don't know if if Alabama struck out much with this offensive line class. We we saw guys like Evan Neal uh, in spring practice. We saw Pierce Quick in spring practice. We saw Lamari Kite uh, during spring drills. Was there a guy or two that Alabama really coveted but maybe didn't get or did this staff pretty much knock it out of the park with the offensive linemen?
2: Yeah, I know. I think they knocked it out of the park with this class. It's almost as equally as impressive as the defensive line class. I'm not going to say as impressive just because that defensive line haul is is one for the ages, but I mean, it, when you look top to bottom of the guys they got and guys that could, you know, come in and make an impact early, you know, you guys got a guy like Evan Neal, the number one tackle in the country. I was actually just talking to a parent of an offensive lineman in the 2020 class uh, a couple weeks ago who, who's familiar with, you know, the the ins and outs of all the offensive line recruiting and all that and the position itself. And he said, he thinks Evan Neal is the best offensive lineman Nick Saban's ever signed. And, you know, I, I think he's, he's made his case to, you know, be on that trajectory. That, that's some high praise, but you know, he, he's, he's done well so far in his time on his short time on campus. Then you go down the list, Pierce quick, Amari kite, Darian Dalcourt, all these guys, they just really hit on some needs there. And, and I think that's going to also determine, you know, what they do in the 2020 class, as far as um, how many they take, obviously. And, and at what, spot on the offensive line they take guys at. So I think you'll see a smaller class in 2020 just because they hit on so many guys in 2019. And, uh, you know, they're in good shape um, up front going forward.
0: Just one offensive line commitment for 2020 at this point. Is that correct,
2: Hank? That's correct. And it's Seth McLaughlin. He's a guy that's been a big target of Alabama's uh, really since, I mean, for a while. But once Kyle Flood came onto the staff, it looked like Ben really started to push for him. He's a guy he really coveted. And, uh, you know, he, he's an interior guy, you know, he's rated as a tackle, but we'll probably play center or guard, um, at the next level, uh, depending, you know, how he continues to develop, um, he's still growing, but, uh, I don't think we're going to see too many past Seth McLaughlin. I, I think you're looking at maybe, you know, a, a three max four offensive lineman class. So it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds.
0: And Charlie, we did see the aforementioned, uh, early enrollees during spring drills. And I got to say for early release, they didn't look like they were spending a lot of time on the sidelines sort of just taking it in. There were some of these guys, if not all of these guys, that at least in terms of the spring looked like they had a chance to impact the two deep, Charlie. Kind of outline what we saw from that group uh, in in spring drills.
1: Yeah, they were definitely involved. Um, Evan Neal at some point was working with the ones they had some injuries some some issues there with the the first team and that first team kind of changed a little bit throughout the course of the spring especially when Jedrick Wills went down with a an ankle injury but um, you you and I were talking about in the press box we were watching the second group and um, they kind of changed things up early on it was kind of consistent with how they were moving things around but um, you know They got pretty consistent with Evan Neal at left guard, uh, Dalcourt at center, and then Pierce Quick at right guard. And, and those guys kind of finished out the game uh, with that second-team offensive line and played really well. So I do think that these guys can come in and, at the very least, be top reserves for Alabama. Um, you never know what's going to happen in fall camp uh, with the offensive line. Uh, there's some older guys ahead of Evan Neal that have experience some promising players like an Emil Ekior. But I think a guy like Evan Neal can can push for playing time at at left guard, um, especially since you don't have a guy like Deontay Brown for the first four games of the season. So um, these young guys, yeah, I mean, you look out there and usually you can pick out a couple freshmen. But one thing that was kind of clear across the board uh, for the early enrollees that were on campus is they all looked apart. There wasn't many of them. Kevin Harris maybe should have. Uh, gain a little bit of weight or can gain a little bit of weight. But for the most part, everybody else, they fit right in. And uh, it was hard to pick them out sometimes. So I think this offensive line class is going to do really well in their first year.
0: Yeah, I guess of these newcomers that we saw in the spring, I want to say just about every one of them had tackle experience in their backgrounds on the high school level. But what we seem to see more than anything, I guess Amari Kite was mm-hmm. the exception of that. He was exclusively a tackle. Uh, during those 15 practices, but Darian Dahlcourt, uh, Pierce Quick, um, and Evan Neal, we saw inside a good bit, although in the spring game, Charlie, we both sort of noticed that some of these young guys were moving around a lot. They, they weren't just playing one spot. A guy like Pierce Quick, uh, Dahlcourt can play multiple spots. Uh, the versatility, I guess, of this this new wave of offensive linemen that are coming in uh, struck us – pretty profoundly during the spring
1: yeah no doubt I mean you look at a guy like uh, Ross Pierce Baker I mean he was a tackle in, in college and he played the interior his entire career at Alabama and played <laughs> it felt like 40 years in Tuscaloosa so uh, I think that versatility is something that maybe is, is more uh, prevalent for offensive line now it's almost like they're they're like members of the secondary if you come to Alabama as a defensive back you got to learn how to play corner, star, money, safety, all the positions in the secondary. It, it seems like now all these young offensive linemen have to know all five positions across the board. And that once they are able to do that, or if they're able to do that, that gives them the best chance to get on the field because Alabama's going to play the five best available. So um, I, I think that that versatility is going to help guys. I know Evan Neal doesn't look like a guard per se because he's a mammoth human being out there. But um, if he can get that down and, and learn how to pull and things like that, uh, he's going to have a, a a better opportunity to get on the field because the tackle positions seem to be pretty locked up with Alex Leatherwood and Jedrick Wills.
0: Yeah, and if you were wondering how much Alabama cross trains, especially interior guys between guard and center, the warm-ups for 8A, Charlie, I want to say we saw seven interior linemen out there snapping the football in warm-ups because Alabama had so many quarterbacks. Uh, it seemed like, or it was, in, in, in spring drills with the two new early enrollees to go along with Tua Tagovailoa and Mac Jones and Lane Hatcher, who has since departed, Braxton Barker. That was a good indication of how much they asked these guys to do more than one thing, play more than one spot. Uh, if you're a tackle, you need to know how to play guard, and if you're a guard, you really need to know how to play center. And if you're a tackle who can do all those things, which Chris Owens, by the way, has done and is now trying to step in at that center position all the better. And that leads us, Charlie, into the returning players. Um, maybe not in terms of how Alabama lined up last year, uh, but even with Ross Pierce Baker moving on, um, Joe, Jonah Williams moving on, you return a core of you know three or four guys that have played a good bit of football, although I guess the Deontay Brown situation sort of throws that into
1: flux. It does. Um, you know, I think Deontay's a starter at Alabama. Um, he's he's a mauler in the run game. And when he gets back from his suspension, I, I would anticipate he would jump back into that starting lineup unless somebody else just goes out and wins the job uh, outright. But yeah, you have Jedrick Wills and Alex Leatherwood who started on the right side of the offensive line last year. Um, they got some valuable experience as freshmen freshman the year before. And they're going to be your bookends this year, unless an injury or something like that happens, and then I think a guy like Matt Womack, <laughs> uh, who started at ride tackle two years ago, uh, can can make that move to guard. Um, you know, Nick Saban his teammates said that he did it really well in the spring. Um, he kind of dealt with a shoulder injury later in the spring, and then kind of aggravated it even worse in the 8 a game, and uh, kind of shut him down uh, for the rest of the game. But I think he's a guy that brings that veteran presence. He's the only senior redshirt or otherwise on this offensive line. Tells you. Um, You know, kind of what's going to happen for the future. Obviously, guys can make draft decisions, but uh, he brings that veteran experience to the group, leadership to the group. And um, outside of those guys, though, uh, you have players that have had spot duty. They've they've been key reserves. Guys like Chris Owens, who's likely going to step into that center role to replace Ross Baker. Uh, I already mentioned Emil Ekior, but you know, he's a redshirt freshman. that I think that could see his role increase uh, dramatically if that's where they're going to go at left guard and then you know guys like scott lashley tommy brown they had pretty good springs and um alabama's got some some guys that have been in the program for a little bit that know what to do and are ready to step up it's just a matter of where they're going to place those guys on the inside they have some options outside of the tackle positions
0: you know charlie we've seen situations at center in the past where you see it in the spring and you wonder eh, is it really going to play out that way um you know, or you try to connect the dots after a season. Um, you know, when a guy like Bradley Bozeman moved on after a couple of years over the ball and you wondered, is Brandon Kennedy really a legitimate guy to step in there and take over at center? It ultimately played out that Ross Pierce Baker was that guy. Brandon Kennedy moved on to the University of Tennessee, where he started at center before an injury took him out uh, in 2018. I ask this, I talk about this in relation to Chris Owens. In your opinion, is Chris Owens right now, as we sit here today in early June, the guy at center moving into fall camp?
1: I think he's the guy to beat, um, no doubt. Um, You know, he's a player that Everybody had good things to say about him in the spring, about how he was approaching this. Uh, he's been a guy that's been on these leadership retreats, and that's always you know kind of a good indication of where guys stand among their teammates, among the coaching staff. And if he's bringing a leadership aspect, then he's kind of spoken up, and that's what you need from your center position. Um, you know, I didn't see anything in the spring that suggests that his job is in jeopardy. I think a guy like Emil Ekior can um maybe move over to center if they need him to um, but I think chris owens is the guy to beat um, obviously I've been putting out my top 25 most important players for the 2019 season i anticipate having chris owens as a top 10 guy just because he's gonna or he's in the pole position to be that center uh, for the foreseeable future so um you know now is a, a great time for him to, to seize that or it'll be soon whenever they <clears throat> you know get back on the field and things like that and then go to, to fall camp but as of right now, I see him as the, the top choice, and I think that when we get back out there for fall camp, we'll see him at center.
0: So Chris Owens at center. Uh, what about the guard spots with the Deontay Brown situation? Is Womack the guy uh, at right guard? Maybe Mil Ekior. The tackles look set. What's your five uh, when Alabama goes into that fan practice uh, that we get to attend in early August? What's your expectation there for that first group?
1: Yeah, barring any kind of injuries for me, it would be from left to right. Alex Leatherwood, uh, Emil Ecuor, Chris Owens, Matt Womack, and then Jedrick Wills. I do think that if Evan Neal um, has a strong start to camp, I think maybe he could take that left guard position because uh, everybody's been raving over him. But I think maybe I'd give the, the nod to the experienced player uh, in Ecuor. Um, you know, if, if Deontay Brown was healthy, I would probably you know, slot him there. But or not healthy, but available. And um, I just think we're going to see the same line that we saw for the most part throughout the spring. They changed some things up, but I think Leatherwood, Echior, Owens, Womack, Wills is what we'll see for that open practice and probably for game one against Duke.
0: Guy not named Deontay Brown, not in that five, that you think could make a really big move throughout the
1: course of fall camp, Charlie? That's tough. Uh, I think, you know, the, the top tier of players has kind of set itself apart. And if I'm not um, putting any of the the young guys into the group, although I think a guy like Darian Dalcourt, um, you know, Nick Saban mentioned him a couple of times. Uh, he and Pierce Quick during the spring. They can maybe make a move up to that first team. But um, if, if Tommy Brown makes a move inside, he can maybe have some leverage. The, the thing for those tackles is, I mean, the guys in front of them are just – they're, they're probably going to be uh, guys that leave early for the draft and are going to be considered for All-American status. So um, if, if a guy like Tommy Brown or a Scott Lashley want to get on the field as a starter, um, you know the interior is the way to go. I don't know if they're going to make that position move. So I guess for me, um, outside of the group that we've talked about the most, I would probably lean towards one of these guys that that enrolled in the spring. And I might give a, a nod to a guy like Darian Dalcourt if, if somebody's going to go uh, go in because we saw him play at guard. We saw him play at center. Uh, maybe he pushes Chris Owen uh, in in preseason camp. Who knows? So it, it's tough. I mean, at this point, you're pulling at straws just because we've named so many offensive linemen. But I think they're pretty high on Darian Dalcourt and what he did in the spring, and maybe he's a guy to watch in the in the preseason.
0: Yeah, Dalcourt has the look of a a future starter in the in the pretty near future, if not 2019. Certainly setting himself up. Uh, for two thousand twenty, perhaps. And you mentioned Tommy Brown. do you think Tommy Brown can end up being a starting tackle for this team in a year's time? Uh, you know, assuming perhaps that at least one of these two tackles moves on as an underclassman to the NFL. Uh, is he a guy that's maybe flying under the radar a little bit is what I'm asking here.
1: I think a little bit, yeah. you uh, know I mean, he has the measurables. Uh, he seems to be working hard in practice, and you know he's been consistently with the twos. Uh, along with Scott Lashley, um, but I think you gotta at least predict or prepare for Leatherwood and Wills to move on. Uh, we saw Leatherwood's name um, a lot during the the preseason or the the early off season with a lot of those mock drafts. And uh, you, you can't really take too much stock into those, but um, I think a lot of people, know what kind of player he is especially moving back to his more natural position so with those two guys potentially moving on to the league and you have Matt Womack who's going to be running out of eligibility and has experience at tackle I think they're going to have to you know prep these tackles during the year Um, you know if Alabama gets up to these big leads and everything like that I think we'll see a lot of Tommy Brown and Scott Lashley out there on the field at those tackle positions and I think if he continues to progress continues to improve uh, work on his body, work on his foot, uh, footwork and hands. I think he's a guy that, yeah, um, could be maybe one of the under-the-radar guys uh, that we're talking about a little bit more next offseason.
0: An intriguing sort of twist to all of this, Hank South, is the potential for a graduate transfer here in the next month or so as Landon Dickerson of Florida State has been linked strongly with Alabama as a possibility for his next stop where are we at in all of that with Landon Dickerson right now, Hank, and in relation to the possibility of, of moving on to, uh, to the Crimson Tide?
2: Yeah, we're kind of just in a little waiting period point. Um, Landon Dickerson, obviously a former 2016 recruit, uh, out of North Carolina, he was rated a five-star tackle by 24/7 sports. He's opting to be a graduate transfer out of Florida state. And, uh, uh, the two schools that have been linked the most with him are Alabama and Texas A&M, obviously with the Jimbo Fisher ties there. But um, if you've been tracking this for the last couple of weeks, it's kind of been clear that Alabama has has an edge for him right now, although he hasn't formally announced anything or, or any plans. And and that could be tied to uh, you know finishing classes in Tallahassee. I, I think he has a class that runs until July. Um, so as far as whether he's even going to make any sort of announcement or just you know enroll at his next stop in this in, in July for that second summer session, um, you know, that remains to be seen. But, you know, it appears as though Alabama has a pretty good shot at, at Landon Dickerson at getting him in the class. We're, we're still keeping an eye on, on Texas A&M, but, you know, it just kind of adds, and Charlie, and you guys could speak more on this, but it just kind of adds more to that depth at that, at that on the offensive line. You know, he's obviously rated as a tackle. He's listed as a tackle, but um, if, if he's looking somewhere to come be a graduate transfer and play right away, the area he'd have the most – Opportunity as far as competing is that in in, on the interior, so that'll just kind of add an interesting wrinkle into fall camp if he does end up choosing Alabama.
0: It's interesting because, in a lot of years, when we've talked about Alabama's offensive line, Charlie, Uh it's been more about concerns at tackle. I think that's changed tremendously because we've already outlined some guys with tackle experience Evan Neal working inside, Pierce Quick working inside. So when you look at it, just from a depth chart standpoint, you see, well, Alex Leatherwood, Jedrick Wills, these are guys that could be moving on as early as after the 2019 season. That doesn't necessarily tell the whole story because there's a very real possibility that like Alex Leatherwood from last year, last season, some of these young guys could pop right back out to tackle. So there's tackle depth isn't a problem, is it?
1: no it's not um you know we we mentioned a lot of guys and you mentioned Matt Womack if if something happened to Jedrick Wills I wouldn't be surprised to see Matt Womack kick out to right tackle and they just put somebody in it at right guard they have a lot of options Uh, I think that versatility helps them with that because you look at the depth chart we talk about it all the time we'll we'll tweet out or or mention the the order the offensive lines during pre uh, pregame warm-ups but that's not how it's going to work. There's a six man out there and they're going to move things around and, and get the five best on the field, not just uh, the next man up at the certain position. So um, I think that when you're looking at the potential of of adding a grad transfer, uh, you look in Alabama lost six offensive linemen last year with Jonah Williams, Ross Pierce Baker, Lester Cotton, Josh Casher and then Richie Pettibone and Elliot Baker are no longer in the program. You add five more, and then you just add a six. You basically just you'll know, refill the cabinet, and and <laughs> it'll go back to work. So um, I, Offensive line isn't necessarily the position I thought they would go with the graduate transfer route, uh, but that gives them just another option in that interior because we've mentioned Ekior, Womack, Neil, Deontay Brown, and he gets healthy. So it just adds competition uh, to try to boost the play of that interior because they're they're having to replace a lot of experience so um i I do think though the the experience that all these players have at tackle helps alabama and it's just it, it almost becomes confusing when you start listing all these names because the the most prevalent and overwhelming thing for me is that alabama just has a lot of depth and a lot of options to work with on the offensive line and they could just throw out a a myriad of different varieties of of groups, and and they could play and play at a high level. So I think that's a, a luxury for them this season.
0: There you go. There's you a pretty complete breakdown of Alabama's offensive line as we head through the dog days of the 2019 off season. With that, we want to wrap things up with a mailbag question. This one directed at Hank South, recruiting analyst for BamaOnline.com, comes from Candom Camden Wilhelm one who asked Hank when do you think the first commitment for the 2021 class will happen and who are the candidates
2: to be that first commitment for 2021 what do you think Hank that's a good question it's it's kind of been something we've been waiting on all spring you know at this point last year the 2020 class I think you know had a handful of commitments and and so it's already kind of moving along quickly but so far zero in 2021 for Alabama and that's not reason to be concerned or anything. I mean, a lot of classes don't have commits yet in that, in that cycle. So, uh, there, there's plenty of, of developments to come and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see one this month. I've, I think there's always, every time I, every year I've covered Bama since 2015, there's been a, I want to say there's been an underclassman commitment in, in the summertime. So it would not shock me in the month of June. Um, you know, I put up a story, um, I think, uh, it was in March, I believe about potential guys that could commit first in the 2021 class. And, you know, you, you could put that way beyond 10, you know, there's all sorts of guys that, that are in the mix as far as guys that could join the class first. I think some interesting ones to really watch, uh, Dylan Brooks, he's a four-star outside linebacker, uh, from Roanoke, Alabama. A lot of people consider him an Auburn lean and, and he has family ties and is obviously close to, to Auburn. I think he's a guy that you could look at as maybe a guy that could jump on board first um, I actually had a really interesting interview with uh, with Jalen Milrow, uh, a Houston area quarterback out of Katy, Texas, actually, um, that camped on Monday and impressed the staff and kind of you know uh, had had his uh, offer kind of more uh, established, I guess, or he has a I, I guess he made his offer a little bit more committable, I'd say, um, with his performance on Monday. Um, he's a guy that named Bama his leader. I think he's he's a guy that could hop on board first um, and then. One other guy I'll name, Xavier Sori, who is a uh, he's a four star athlete out of uh, the panhandle of Florida. Forgot the exact high school. I think it's Graceville. Um, He's a guy that has BAM on top of his list as well, from what we're hearing and and is really high on the tide as well. So, you know, there's all sorts of options. I I could sit here for the next hour and like make cases for all these 2021 kids that could jump on board first. But um, I I think there's a good shot that one hops on in the class um, this month, if not, you know, before the start of the season. Hank,
0: did I read correctly? Deion Sanders' son picked up a, an offer here in the last few days, a quarterback prospect out of Texas?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, they actually offered several underclassmen quarterback uh, this week. I think they even offered a 2022 quarterback, uh, which is kind of showing how, how far down the line they're evaluating right now. But, yeah, uh, and I'm not totally positive how to pronounce his name, but Shadour Sanders, he camped yesterday. And, uh, and reported an offer last night. So, you know, a lot of people think just, you know, he's going to Florida state like his dad, but, uh, you know, he seems pretty open to it. I, I think he's taking his time and, and doing his due diligence and, and he, he seemed pretty excited about the Bama offer too. So we'll see what, what happens with him.
0: How did no one get any cell phone video of primetime?
2: I know, right? <laughs> that's my question. I, I don't know. That's a good, that's a good question.
0: I mean, Charlie and I have got to step it up, you know, from that, <laughs> from the TMZ standpoint, I guess here in the, in the coming days and weeks, uh, guys, great stuff. As always appreciate the participation of Camden Wilhelm one there in the Bama online built by Bama online podcast mailbag, always great stuff from both Charlie Potter and Hank out there at B O L all the camp dates, just pouring in from Hank, Tim Watts, as always a staple Uh, with our coverage at BamaOnline.com. So you're going to find all of it on the website. And you're going to find us here again in the very near future. Charlie Potter, Hank South, myself, Travis Schreier. It is the Built by Bama Online podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us again real soon.